with James O'Brien. Three minutes after 12, mystery hour is upon us. Sorry, I'm chuckling. There's nothing worse than people who enjoy their own jokes too much. We must have spotted the David Davis Swiss Tony comparison before, mustn't we? I can't believe that that was brand spanking. We've certainly not done it with a clip. But that is it. David Davis's entire negotiating process, practice, tactics, even the bit where he taps his head. Because who are you going to trust? The guy who has got all the papers in front of him? Or the guy who's got it all up here? Tap, tap. Swiss Dave. Secretary of State for leaving the European Union. Except not anymore, because it got too difficult, so I resigned. So I could heckle from the sidelines. Heckling, James, is like making love to a beautiful woman. I'm going to have to stop with this now. I'm in that mood, though. I could do this for an hour. Who is Swiss Tony? Is it Charlie Hickson? Is Charlie Hickson the actor who plays... Can we see if he'll do it for us? Go on. Call in some favours from your showbiz chums. Sorry, I am still here, and it is Mystery Hour, your weekly opportunity to achieve the sort of satisfaction not ordinarily available anywhere else on your radio dial. Um, The way it works is this. You have a question bubbling away in the back of your brain, a question that might be about very complicated science, or it might be about something really quite banal and or silly. Um, They're both welcome. The only things that we guard against during this astonishingly successful and popular feature are dullness and repetition. Although, frankly, I can't hold you responsible for dullness or repetition anymore. I I, I mean, you will be asked, if you get through to the studio, what your question is, and my colleagues may decide it's too dull to be put through, but sometimes they put through stuff that I think is duller than dishwater. And so whose fault is that? Theirs or yours? Yeah. Who knows? Repetition, similarly. We've been doing this so long now, and my memory is not what it was. We cannot realistically be expected. Um to guard fully against repetition because I am the only member of staff on Mystery Hour who has been here for every Mystery Hour. Except once, when someone doing my holiday cover had the unbelievable audacity to try to do Mystery Hour themselves. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Inconceivable. Well done, everybody who knows what film that is a reference to. Um, That's it, really. Do I need to do any more burbling? Or should we just crack on? If you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, ring in, provide it, you get a round of applause. If your qualifications for answering that question are unbelievably relevant, in other words, if you ring in to answer a question about, oh, I don't know, a vaccine, and you invented the vaccine, you will get what is called a Ray Liotta, or a Ray Liotta. That is uh, a, a bespoke anointment from the Hollywood legend Ray Liotta and our adaptation of one of his most famous film lines to accommodate what I consider to be the credo of this program. The point is, of course, if if you get your questions right, if I do my job correctly, then I get astonishing calls on the switchboard. Mystery Hour, oddly, is is not the best example of that, but it, it is a distillation of the principle. So if you build it, they will come. If I do my job correctly amazing scenes will unfold on the switchboard so that that's just an, an example of unbelievably good qualifications for answering the question that you've answered but don't think they have to be unbelievably good probably the most popular qualification on mystery hour over the years has been that i saw it on tv james and i will want a little bit more detail usually a david attenborough possibly a Mythbusters, that kind of thing equally professor hal down in brighton professor of the understanding of science professor of public understanding of science he's probably our most anointed mystery hour contributor and he is a well as you may have guessed he's an actual professor should we crack on are we ready 
Or are we still giggling about Swiss Dave? Mm. Both. Deborah's in Swanscombe. Deborah, question or answer? Question. Carry on. Why is it that we celebrate wedding anniversaries with um, items, first paper, then wood, lace, gold, silver, pearl? How did that come about? That's a lovely question. Why did it, why, why did it come about? Mm. Is it like a reward? I don't know. What, 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 what's coming up, Deborah? Have you got a big one on the horizon? Is that what's focused your mind? No, oh. no, not at all. It, oh. It's just that I, I wondered because of the certificate that you sign when you get married. I thought that would be the reason for paper. With so presents you on that. your anniversary, isn't it? So paper. Yes, but... it is. It, it represents something for each year, and I just wondered how that came about and why. I like it. I know I do. I mean, I suppose going back to times when you didn't get presents very often, people. But but again, gold and silver. What's nineteen? Do you know? I've got nineteen coming up, Deborah. You know, I don't know any of them other than... Well, I thought you were just tripping them off. You are tripping them off really really smoothly, like a sort of David Davis-type character. Well, I sort of did the beginning bit and the end, or the, the, the highest that I knew, but I don't know the in-between bit. Yeah, where does it come from? That's a lovely question. I like that a lot. Paper, paper, for them, diamond is, is... What's diamond? 75, 50, golden, silver? Who cares? We'll find out. Yeah, once you get to silver, gold, diamond and all that, they do, they're quite... A long way away, aren't they? One of the great, uh, uh, great triumphs of feminism that I look forward to being achieved in the coming years is is when um, it, it is subverted, and on your diamond anniversary, your wife buys you a diamond rather than as is currently the norm, the other way around. Deborah, thank you very much indeed. Uh, where, 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 did, where did that come from? It's a really lovely question. That if you know the answer, you're not allowed to look anything up. That's the whole point. Uh, in, in case you were confused and you're new to the program, you're not allowed to look anything up. You have to have the knowledge filed away somewhere. Dan is in Hampstead Garden Suburb. Question or answer, Dan? Question. Carry on. Um, I was wondering, who made the cigarette? Like, what was he thinking? Let's try to light this piece of paper on fire and, like, see if it feels good. Where did, did, where did the idea even come from? And, like, who was it? Well, the, the, I, the tobacco was being smoked in... Where would it be? South America? Walter Raleigh brought it back to Britain, but in terms of who was the first person to actually light it and smoke it, nobody knows. Do you know what else is a mystery, Dan? What? Who was the first person who saw a, a, an udder and thought, hmm, I'm going to have some some of that juicy milk? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good question. Well, over there, it's like, you know, it was probably some person who decided to play around with his animal. But, like, over here, like, was a person, like, really thinking so no they were already smoking tobacco so walter raleigh was was, tobacco uh, walter raleigh found it but it was already being used by other humans so it was in um i think elizabeth the first reign so he'd have been essentially looking for gold but uh, but also stumbling across other useful things so he brought back tobacco and the potato but but he would have the history won't have recorded tobacco he found tobacco and heard about it so he started to smoke it or yeah he, well, he was on his travels he, he was a um a, a kind of spy and explorer and he would be touring around the world and guyana places like that and he found tobacco which meant that the locals were already smoking it so he had a go liked it brought it back so that's how it came to britain but yes is it known where it was, no like... no no one knows who i mean who was the first person to eat a magic mushroom mate also, probably someone who was trying to survive in some forest. Yeah, so someone was, was <clears throat> someone lit a fire, they threw on some leaves from a nearby plant, and they thought, well, these leaves smell a bit different, and then they kind of had a bit of a breathe and thought, 
<sighs> I like that. And I, I'm going to put some in a little bowl. And like, I'm not going to just do it on the fire. So, you know, it's the same with cannabis, probably. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't think... I mean, I put it on the board, who discovered... Who first discovered tobacco... Well, no, it's not even that, is it? Because you could have discovered it without smoking it. You wouldn't have known it was tobacco. You just stumbled across a tree. So who first yeah. smoked Who first smoked tobacco? That's what you want to know. Yeah. All right. How many years do you have to be married before it's your tobacco anniversary? Uh, Neil is in Wensbury. Neil, question or answer? Uh, question, please. Carry on. Um, it's about films. They oh, talk yeah. about how successful a film doing by the box office receipt. So it's uh, like half a billion pounds. I'm just wondering where they actually get that figure from. Is it the full price of the ticket or a percentage? And as an extra sort of bonus question, I've got like one of these unlimited cards where you pay a certain amount per month and you can watch any film. Oh, you can't have that. No, 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 no. That's far too complicated. Yeah, well... No, 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 no. No? No. It might be an easy answer. No, no, no. So I think they just count, don't they? Yeah, but... Yeah, but that's how much the film makes. And obviously they don't make the full ticket price because the cinema's got to take some money. I know they make most of the money from popcorn and... and no, but that's and not... That won't be included in the box office take for for the launch of a movie. So how do... No, it's a nice question. How do they calculate the, um... The box office... I, I mean, they just... No, they just add up all the tickets that have been sold. So every cinema that's got that film, got being sent that film, will will respond with a figure and they just top them all up. I don't think it's a mystery, Neil. No. no. Well, what about the unlimited cards, then? No, but that, 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 if you'd come in and asked that question, you wouldn't have got on air, you see. Oh, okay. Because it's too complicated. <laughs> I mean, who the hell knows how they... I don't know it might, I don't know, it might not be complicated. Do you go, where do you go usually? Mary Hill, is it, that you go to to watch the movies? Uh, Birmingham normally. You go into town properly, into... Yeah. yeah fair <laughs> enough. Do you, is it, do you remember The Futurist on John Bright Street? I do, indeed. Saw Howard the Duck there, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw The Jungle Button. Happy days. Yeah. One of the so, so you go for people who are confused by elements of this conversation. You, you've got a all-you-can-eat card, and so yeah. you you go to the cinema and you've paid a flat fee, and you can watch films an unlimited amount of times. And you want to know how that impacts upon the box office take for that film. I imagine that the because it's not a legally binding claim. I imagine that they count you as a full price ticket when you're in there. But then the film hasn't made that money. And that's why this question's not being allowed. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. All right, mate, thanks very much. <laughs> mate, there you go. Twelve fourteen is the time. Chris is in Ealing. Uh, question or answer, Chris? How are you doing, James? Is a question, please. Carry on, mate. Okay, from a gastronomic point of view, why is it whenever you make pancakes, the first one always goes wrong? It doesn't. And that's speaking from somebody that is it a doesn't. chef of 25 years. Oh, I'm sorry, pal. I'm a radio presenter of 15 years, and my first pancake never goes wrong. Uh, do you know what? You're going to have to tell me what you do that's so special, because I've been doing it for ages in kitchens and uh, at right. home, and it always, always goes wrong. Get your pan proper hot. But you knew yeah. that already. Use I but, did. Do you use butter or oil normally? I, I, I use I use a little bit of butter. Yeah, so chuck your butter in and put your batter in almost straight away. But then leave it. Okay. Do you, I think you start teasing it a little bit prematurely. That's what I do. I start jiggling the pan a little bit. Nah, well, you've got to jiggle it to spread it out properly. But don't worry, because yeah, yeah. what you do, Chris, yeah. I think. Come here a minute. Sit down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Have a cup of tea. I think you yeah. worry it's going to stick. So, yeah, so yeah, you start is, yeah. manipulating the edges a bit, don't you? And you start maybe poking the spatula underneath, trying to pick it up a bit, don't you? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd probably wanted it to be done too quickly. On the first one, you see, you've got a bit of a kind of thing going on. You need yeah. to wait until it starts bubbling up, until you can actually see the, 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 the air bubble expanding and lifting the batter, the now coalesced, the now cooked batter from the base of the pan. <laughs> and, and only, only, Chris, yeah. contemplate tossing when you can see the whole pancake move on a light jiggle of the pan handle. I see. I mean, that that's an outstanding answer, and Thank I think you. that could be your your next book, as it goes, to be fair. <laughs> Mate, get a book out of a pancake. Yeah, you could have done I've, I've heard of worse. I'll give, you the no, money, I'll give you the money myself. I'll take a round of applause in the meantime. But I, 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 I spent years labouring under your, um, your, 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 your sticky pan pre-toss problem, and I'm very happy to have solved it for you. Cheers, James. Cheers, Chris. This is LBC 02973. 1218 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Negotiating with the European Union is like making love to a beautiful woman. If you've just tuned in, I'm not going to tell you what that was about. I'm going to leave you wondering what the hell has happened to your favourite radio station and indeed your favourite radio presenter. Robert's in Lincoln. Robert, question or answer?、Uh, question, James. Carry on. Um, my son is fascinated by、um, the World Wars. Yes. Absolutely loves football. I was just wondering with the,、um, the Christmas truce in 1914、um, and the football match that took place on Christmas Day. Yes.、Um, wondering if anybody knew the score. Oh, <laughs> what a lovely question. <laughs>、uh, was it that formally done? Was it, was it, was well. It? I'm not sure there was VAR, but、um, VAR. You know, <laughs> it'd be nice if there was any sort of who John Motson was probably commentating.、Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's a lovely question, and obviously, it, I, I, there's no earthly way I'm going to know the answer, but somebody might. Did it? I mean, are we even sure it definitely happened? Because it's a beautiful story. I like to believe it happened because the, the second chapter of it, as I've heard, and I don't know whether this is apocryphal or not, is that the officers hated it because.、Right. You, you and I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not unlike, sorry to bring Brexit into everything, but if you actually realise these people aren't our enemy, they're just like us, they're just obeying orders from a different aristocracy who are in the, in the case of the First World War, astonishingly, they're just, they're just prepared to die for a different grandson of Queen Victoria from the one that we're prepared to die for. So the game of football could have kind of seen some sort of international socialist revolution, but it didn't. It, it certainly could have. I, I, as I say, this is one where I would like my. Beliefs to almost take over facts. Yeah, well, I, and, then, and then there we were trying to avoid Brexit comparisons, <laughs> Robert. I try, does anyone know what the score was in that magnificent, possibly legendary football match to uh, um, uh, mark the temporary Christmas truce in the trenches at the beginning of the First World War? David's in Guildford. David, question or answer? Hello, James. Hello, It's an、David. answer, the cinema question. Oh, marvellous. How do they.、Uh, Well, you know the question. How do they well, work I, out? I did, well, do you know, when he asked it, it's not actually as daft a question as you would imagine. It's quite, it's quite interesting. I、okay. used to work in cinema. I used to work for the Canon Cinema chain back in the 80s. And I was an assistant manager for the Odeon chain in the 90s. And what you would do in those days before computers, at the end of every evening, you would phone in to one guy for the Odeon chain. I would phone in to one chap in the evening and give him our box office take for the day for each film. Yes. And he would literally write them down on a bit of paper and he would take all the numbers for all the Odeons. Yes. And at the end of each week, you'd top them up and you'd see what your take was. But the thing is, and this is why often.、Uh, you know, uh, Popcorn and drinks are so expensive at cinemas.、Yeah. Is that anywhere from 
well, 70 to 80 percent of the box office take goes to the films, to, to the film company, to the producers, to the to the distributors. Cinema itself really only makes its money on the popcorn, which is why popcorn and confectionery is oh, so pricey. So important that's why they make their money and why the markup's so huge. That, that's not. That, that, I mean, that's interesting as an aside, but it's not relevant to the original question. The original no, question so, is answered by simply just getting the exactly. receipts. There aren't that many cinemas that it's an impossible task to achieve. Are there? No, nowadays now it's all computer, James. It, it, there's no human involvement at all because you tap in your numbers at the end of the day and it just gets sent off to a central. Uh, to, to a central Do you want to have a crack at, uh, at Chamo's question about his loyalty card, the card that lets him go to as many films as he wants? How would he get totted up during the receipts? That's a really good question. It's I a, or a really bad question, depending on your point of view. <sighs> yes. No, it, it is a good question, because in those things, again, I'm thinking of the Odeon chain, yeah. just because they do their limitless thing for 20 quid a month, don't they? So how, how does that get divvied up between all of them? Answer, don't know the answer to that. Don't but know, don't answer. need to know, nobody knows. No, but it, as a quick aside, just before you go, yeah. it's for example, the, the take to the cinema and, and how little it is to the, to the cinema itself. When Spielberg released E.T. in the 80s, he took 100% of the box office for the first four weeks. Cinemas lived purely off confection take really and then there's the other uh thing of course about carefully constructed contracts that mean some of the most successful films in history never actually moved into profit exactly um round of applause for david thanks mate are you still in the business are you you, you still in the business no i'm not actually i left in the mid 90s i'm now um i'm now self-employed i'm a kids entertainer oh fantastic great stuff um take care 12 23 is the time always quite fancied working in a cinema but then of course Somebody pointed out that I might have to have had Howard the Duck on 80 times in a working week. Alex is in Brentwood. Alex, question or answer? Yes, a question, please, James. Carry on, Alex. Uh, where did the superstition, seven years of bad luck for breaking the mirror, come from? I can't believe we've never done that before, but it doesn't ring any <laughs> bells at all. That's a lovely one, isn't it? Yeah, so I only, thought, I only thought of it because I was listening to uh, Stevie Wonder's Superstition. Yeah, what a tune. And, uh, yeah, I, know, I love it. <laughs> where, where, where does seven years... Bad, I'm pretty sure that in some countries you break a mirror on purpose to get rid of bad spirits. I think that's quite an Eastern European thing. I could have, I could have gone wrong. I could have just imagined that or dreamt it. But, I, but that doesn't answer your question. I'm just, I often do this. I don't know if you've noticed. If I, if I have no clue at all about how to answer the question that's been asked, I sometimes throw in some vaguely relevant, but but utterly useless knowledge just to sort of paper over the cracks of my own ignorance, Alex. <laughs> I know. I'm, a, I'm an avid listener. I listen every so, week. <laughs> so, so you're familiar with it i shall um uh, let's find out where, where did that seven years bad luck for breaking a mirror come from we've done the pancakes we've done the box offices who first smoked tobacco oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three i'll be surprised if we can learn that one and wh- wh- when did the, the whole thing about marking anniversaries with a with a special thing like gold or paper or lace well, where did that come from why did we do it well when did it begin well just why do we i don't know anything you want tell me something give me some knowledge knowledge Jude's in Tunbridge. Jude, question or answer? Uh, question. Carry on. Um, do you know where two... How do we know where two C's meet? Like what? Like so the like, English you know Channel where, like, and the, the Atlantic would... Yeah, how do, like, how do you know where they meet? So where is the line between two yeah, bodies of water? Them? Yeah. Yeah, why, why would it be any different from land? Yeah. It's just plotted on a map. 
Yeah. Who, who, who are you yeah. asking this question for, Jude? Uh, I'm asking for my geography class. So we want to know how how I mean I think it's just written on a map in the same way that land borders are. But I want to be sure I've understood your question correctly. How do we know where a border is between two seas? Yeah. All right. I, I, I presume it's the same as a border between two lands, and it's just been written on a map, in the case of the Middle East, by a French and an English diplomat. What's it called? Pico? Sykes-Pico? Or have I imagined that? I get confused. 12.26 is the time. Jude, good man. Um, let's find out for him. How, how, who, how? Who? Why? Where? When? What? Where? Whither? Whence? What resulted? Josh, Soho, question or answer? Answer, James. Carry on, Josh. Um, so it's answer to the um, the truce, the football game. Oh, yeah. Go on. Uh, and... So a game did happen, but it wasn't. No one kept scores from what we could tell. Oh, how, how um, appropriate! Just they just played for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it pretty much was just for fun, uh, and someone just well, they started with on the Christmas day, just crossing the boat like that, no man's land, and then they decided just to kind of start chatting. They were cutting each other's hair, and then someone just threw a ball on, and they just ran rain apparently, um, as far as we could tell. What are your qualifications? So I work in TV and film production, and I worked on the Sainsbury's Christmas ad when they did the truce, and we did some research and a documentary behind it to find out what the true story was. Oh, that's lovely. And you made the documentary as well, as well as the advert? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I worked on the advert, and then I actually made the documentary as well. What was the documentary broadcast? It wasn't broadcast, no. It's, um, it's on um, YouTube, I think, um, these days. It was like Sainsbury's wanted to show that they'd actually looked at this properly and looked at all the details. I've got to get a Liotta, hasn't he, for this? I mean, I, I, I was thinking I was only going to give a Ray Liotta to someone who'd actually played in it. <laughs> but that bar is obviously <laughs> well, absurdly like... high. I'm looking at that. I mean, the, the, the advert is from, it's quite recent as well. It was only three or four years ago, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, yeah, that's three years ago now. I think it was 2000, actually, no, 2014, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, five years ago. And, 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 and yeah, of course, it, they just played for fun and no one was keeping score. In fact, if, if they had been keeping score, in many ways, it would have undermined the beauty of the whole episode, wouldn't it? Especially exactly, if they, if they, yeah. especially if one side had retreated to their <laughs> trench, especially if the Germans won on penalties, <laughs> to retreat to their trenches. Who are you? Who are you? Who are? That doesn't really speak of the the outbreak of peace between ordinary men who temporarily recognise the brotherhood of man, does it? I mean, it's the opposite yeah. of footballification. Um, give him a rate. But he was, he was also right, James, about the the kind of captains and majors back at home really didn't like it. Yes. They actually changed the people who were on the front line. So. Because, they're, they're because you cannot get people to do really, really dangerous things, like exactly. risk their life for a different grandson yeah. of Queen Victoria, unless you can successfully persuade them that foreigners are, for unspecified reasons, the enemy. Yeah. I imagine people will be talking about the Donald Tusk comments later on LBC, but in the meantime, Josh, fill your boots. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. Uh, have you ever worked with Ray? I haven't, no, unfortunately. I, I'll, I put a, I'll, I'll put a word in for you, Josh, but you get a round oh, of applause. You're a good man, you're a good man. You get a round of applause <laughs> as well. Take care of it. Oh, that was lovely. Really lovely. And, and it was a beautiful advert, that. The Christmas adverts. I get to an age where I can't even be cynical about them anymore. Almost look forward to the John Lewis or a real peach of a Sainsbury's one. Coming up to half past twelve, you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. Still need the anniversaries and the tobacco questions answered. And the seven years... For breaking a mirror, plus the border between two bodies of water.
Um, how do we know where it is? Well, and I'm thinking about the, the Manche, the English Channel, and the Atlantic. So there must be a waterborne. But, I mean, look, it's international waters. Oh, for heaven's sake, fish. Lisa Aziz has the headlines. Theresa May is back in Brussels meeting... 0973. 12.34 is the time you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where I am not talking about Brexit, which is quite nice. We're doing Mystery Hour, although if you're tuning in a little late in the day in expectation of some Brexit-related pearls, I don't know anymore. I've got no clue what's going to happen next. Absolutely anything is possible. My um, uh, Still, my underpinning prediction is that you're looking at no deal or no Brexit, but then, of course, that depends on Jeremy Corbyn, who has now abandoned his demand that any deal that's done involves the exact same benefits as EU membership, which, of course, David Davis claimed not long ago was perfectly possible. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Andy's in Raynham. Andy, question or answer? I want a question, please, mate. Go on, Andy. Um, if I was on a desert island, would I be able to catch a cold? You mean a germ, a, a germ from another human being? Yeah, well, I always seem to catch colds off people coughing or door handles or money and stuff like no, that. I don't, so I don't, well, I, if it was uninhabited, ah, well, you can, yeah. can you catch a cold off other mammals? You probably can, can't you? Birds, birds, oh, mate. No, but so, so who's the first person to catch a cold? Then, no, you, you can't have that. Come off it, Andy, mate. It's, got, it's, it's a radio it's show. Not, not <laughs> you, Who's the first person to catch a cold? It was a bloke who's called... Who do I catch it off, then? It was a bloke called... Ooh, in about 400 yeah. BC. No, it's yeah. older than that. I mean, like, 6,000 BC. Like, you know, this, the bug what goes about, someone's got to be the first person to get it. And Andy, we're covering a lot of ground here, mate. Here's the deal. Oh, no, you no. C- the question was, yeah. can I catch a cold on a desert island? And the answer is, yeah, you could catch bird flu. Oh, lovely. What's Ra- no birds? Ra- no, 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 you're doing it again. Round, oh. of, round of applause for me. There, <laughs> man. Matthew's in Olney. Matthew, question or answer? Uh, a question, please, James. Carry on. Um, I was wondering how many years after Christ was born was the actual Christian calendar written? Um, established. Established, yeah. It's a Roman em- it would be a Roman emperor, wouldn't it, who, who'd converted to Christianity and sort of reset the Julian calendar. Julian calendar it is. So it'd be Julian. I don't know is the answer. It, it, because I know that the Bible wasn't written, I believe, till hundred years after Christ had died. That, that, that might well be true, but I, 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 A, I don't know, and B, it's not really relevant to the question that you're asking, is it? Well, it is kind of relevant because it's based on myths. Or, or, well, it could be true, depending if you... No, no, but it isn't. In terms of in, in terms of how long after the reported birth of Christ did the Roman calendar become Christian is is easy to answer. It's got, it's got nothing to do with when the Bible was written or whether or not it's true. Well, certain facts in, in, the, in, in the Christian calendar, I know they debated Easter was... was Yes, but again, that, that's because it was um, posited to fall on pagan fist festivals so that the people who'd yeah. been converted by missionaries didn't feel too violently removed from their previous traditions. So I'm sure you're not doing this, but quite often questions about the Bible and dates and things like that are designed to sort of smuggle in a curious subtext. I, I, I stress, I'm absolutely certain you're not doing that. So when was the... Is it the Julian calendar, is it? Is it called the Julian calendar? When was the Julian calendar established? I presume that's quite easy to answer. Thank you, Matthew. Daniel's in Bromley. Daniel, question or answer? It's a question, please, James. Are you eating? I, I'm not, no. Are you sure? No. Right. Have you got your I'm teeth 100%. in? 
the, the question is about food. So, carry, or, uh, carry about on. Chefs, uh, right. food. So, um, I was watching Gordon Ramsay the other day, and I noticed that some chefs had much taller hats <laughs> than others. Really? Yes, and I was just wondering, it's really weird tall hats. So, um, not like oh. the round white hat, but really tall. So, I was just wondering why... Why do some chefs have taller hats than others? I like that. And I mean, we can probably work out that the answer will have something to do with identifying them in, in crowded kitchens and knowing that you were dealing with the right fella, like a kind of... Um, but but we need to hear it from a definitive fella, don't we? Definitive yes, person. from some sort of chef. From some sort of chef. Hopefully who has a tall hat as well. That's the phrase I was looking for, Daniel. Some sort of chef. <laughs> Leave it with me. 11, 12, even, 39. Chef's hats, why are they different? When was the um, calendar that we think of as Christian, the ADBC distinction, first inaugurated? Uh, we did that one. How do you uh, put borders between two bodies of water? Why do you get bad luck if you break a mirror? And when did tobacco, who first smoked tobacco? And who... Well, well, just talk to me about anniversaries. Daniel's in Islington. Daniel, question or answer? Hi, good afternoon, uh, James. Hello. Hi. Well, the, the the answer to the Christian calendar is that the Gregorian calendar. Was Gregorian, the Gregorian. Where did I get Julian from? No, it was the Julian calendar. Oh, oh. And later in the Middle Ages, it was established the Gregorian calendar. It was a, it is a slight update. Okay. For the Julian calendar, uh, where it's based on the bias years. You yes. know, when you have to readjust the years uh, in order not to lose catch-up with the... So when was the Julian calendar introduced? Uh, it was introduced by Augustus, the first emperor. What year? Uh, yeah, it was before Christ, the 40 or 50 BC. It can't so have been what? before Christ. The year of our Lord was established before our Lord was born. No, because the Christian calendar, as the prior caller said, it does not exist. It's not the Christian calendar. So it's the Julian calendar. calendar got co-opted by Christianity. Uh, I knew yes, this question was dodgy. I knew it was. They always are. All questions about his religious history are dodgy because someone thinks they're being an absolute genius by demonstrating that it's not absolutely cast in stone. Yeah, I... Aren't they? What I know is that uh, the, the Julian calendar... It was named after Julius Caesar. Yeah, I know that. The one who prepared it. Uh, was Julian Clary. But, <laughs> yeah, and actually, if you see September, October, uh, those are names, the months, based on the numeration of the months. Where, but Julia, uh, Julius Caesar took the, the seventh month and changed and gave, it. And gave himself an extra day. That's right, August. Yeah, the August. The, the extra day was technically in February because in the old Julian calendar the, at the beginning of the Roman Empire, the end of the year was uh, the 28th of February, and later you had the beginning of the year that was the Idus of March, the 1st of March, mm. when the, the Senate was open. And, uh, so the, the answer is 40-odd years BC? Uh, around that. Yeah, uh, 46. before Christianity. But no, I know, I know, and, and it's all very interesting, and I don't want to sound ungrateful, but but it is, it's, it's, we've got a lot to get through. So, so I hear, I hear what you're saying, and you're right, the the the, the, the kind of refinement into the Gregorian, Gregorian calendar, and and what have you. But I guess the the original question would be answered, uh, as you did, forty uh, odd years BC, which I think the bloke who asked the question already knew, which is why I smell a rat, and my rat smelling skills are next level. Smelling a rat is like making... No. Zam 
is in Clacton. Zam, question or answer? Oh, is that me? <laughs> well, Hello. I, I, it's um, unlikely there are two Zams <laughs> in Clacton waiting on my phone line at the moment, mate. <laughs> Carry on. I, um, I've got um, one and a half answers for you. Well, just the one you've cleared with my top crack team of producers, please. <laughs> Um, no, the, uh, the, 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 the lady who had the uh, question about the uh, wedding anniversary. Yes. Um, it, um, it goes back, it's, it's a fairly recent uh, tradition, but one which fancies itself as a much older one. Uh, it goes back to um, medieval Germany and uh, the Holy Roman Empire, um, when men would present their wives with gifts okay. uh, on their anniversaries. Um, and they would crown them in the, you know, sort of uh, tradition of, you know, Charlemagne. Yes. Of, uh, you know, when he was crowned emperor of the Holy Roman Empire in 800, with a silver wreath on their 25th anniversary, or a gold one on their on their. And, and where, do we know where paper and lace and things like that came from? I think that was much more recent. I seem to remember reading a few years ago about how a lot of that stuff sort of was coming about in the 1920s from America, like Mother's Day was sort yeah, of... I don't know if that's going to... I, 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 I think... I'm going to give you sort of a smattering of applause, but I think that, the, that Deborah wanted more detail about the weirder ones, like the lace and the paper and stuff like that, than about the... Oh, massive right. Ones. Oh, in terms of, like, where, yeah. um, where the sort of, you know... Pa- sort of well, paper, lace, and, and tin, and weird, like weird stuff, stuff yeah. like that came from. Uh, uh, but well, you get, you get a smattering. Sort of modern affectation without sort of any sort yeah, but of... You st- but even affectations have sources. Well, that's true. That yeah. is true, yeah. But, um, but no, the, the tradition of um, uh, the, the gold and the, the silver... Big stuff the big sort stuff of falling from royalty the... makes perfect sense, and it, uh, it earns you half a round of applause now. Oh, is that really a whole... Does that feel like a half to you, mate? Well, that sounded like too much. Try again. That's it. There we go. You, you ended up there with, I would estimate, about one and two-thirds. Steve's in Derby. Second call from Derby today. I was born in Derby, Steve. Did you know that? Was yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Straight up. <laughs> Sorry. See if you can find the blue plaque, mate. I'll give you the money myself. Well, question or answer? <laughs> question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Answer. Uh, regarding chef's hats. Oh, yes. Yeah, you're sort of, you're sort of right. Yeah, traditionally... Uh, or originally, shall I say, the yeah. head chef always wore the tallest hat so that he could be spotted by uh, the chefs, the parties, and the sous chefs, etc. But in today's uh, kitchens, it's immaterial. Uh, people oh, now wear, wear skull caps uh, because at one time they thought they were under the impression that if they wore the, the tall chef's hat, which is called a toque, uh, that uh, that gave more air around your head. Uh, and so uh, if you didn't have a tall hat and circulate the air, uh, then, then you'd go bald very, very quickly. Uh, but that's been proven to be just a falsehood. And now people wear all different sizes, whatever, whatever they fancy, really. Qualifications? I'm a chef. Carry on. Where do you work? Can I ask? Do you mind? Uh, no, I've got my own place uh, in Shardlow, uh, just outside Derby. What's it called? Steve's Pie Place. Get, you get yourself down to Steve's Pie Place, Sharpish. I can tell just by talking to him that he's a top lad with a great line in pies. And Steve, I owe you such a huge favour because you've reminded me of someone else I meant to give a little bit of a business boost to today. My friend Aaron, who sells the big issue outside the English National Opera, 
Oh, it's the Coliseum, isn't it, on, on St. Martin's Lane. He is he is waiting for you now. So if you're about to go out for your lunch, or if indeed you're anywhere near Covent Garden at any point this afternoon, he's newly equipped, is Aaron, with a contactless clicker, so you can buy a copy of The Big Issue without even having any cash in your pocket. Please go and buy a copy of The Big Issue off him, because he is a really lovely young man, and he is absolutely deserving of your support and your charity. And I don't know what to do anymore about all the people sleeping in doorways as i make my way to work in the morning so i have decided and if you wish you can call it virtue signaling or whatever you want but i get to speak to over a million people a week and i get to ask every single one of them in london or central london today to buy a big issue wherever you are in the country but specifically because i know this lad and i like him and he's fighting back and you can help him so get yourself down to the english National Opera, the Coliseum, on St. Martin's Lane, next to Cafe Nero, and buy a big issue. You don't even have to tell him that I sent you, but just get yourself down there, buy a big issue off Aaron, and um, you'll have my undying gratitude. Coming up at 173. It's 12.51 already, one of those days where we wonder where the time has gone. Um, we've asked Charlie Higson if he'd mind voicing our mashup of David Davis and Swiss Tony. We haven't yet heard back. If you know him, have a word, will you? It's an act of love. Mystery Hour is still unfolding. We still don't know why you get seven years bad luck if you break a mirror. Um, we need to help... Was it Josh? No, it wasn't Josh. What was the name of the lad in his with his geography class? We need to help the lad in his geography class. How do they... I think it's fairly obvious, but you still get a round of applause if you ring in and answer it. How do they draw the borders between two bodies... Between It was Jude, that was it. Between two adjoining bodies of water... Um, chef's hats, calendars we've done, pancakes we've done. Who first smoked tobacco? I don't think that's knowable. Um, and the, 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 the odder anniversaries, the paper, the lace, those kind of things, where does that come from? I, I've got a feeling it's sort of, I think it's quite English, and you're looking at a kind of Anglo-Saxon or a, um, almost a Viking-y origin, but I could be wrong. It's on the board. If you can answer it, there's a, there's a round of applause up for grabs, and of course, if you are an actual Viking, there could be a Ray Liotta. Do you know, I sometimes come across as a bit of a know-all, so it's very important to acknowledge areas of ignorance. Someone writing the other day about Anglo-Saxon, the idea that Anglo-Saxon, I think, obviously, for sorry to bring everything back to Brexit, I think it was a pro-Brexit person trumpeting Anglo-Saxon culture as something that Brexit would help us defend, and it was pointed out that Saxony and Anglia are German. And to my shame, I'd always thought Anglia was the Roman word for England. Uh, East Anglia, all of But no, even, even the Anglo bit of Anglo-Saxon is German. Judeo-Christian, that would be Middle Eastern. Anglo-Saxon, that would be German. So why are we Brexiting? To restore Anglo-Saxon supremacy within our Judeo-Christian culture. Yep, yeah. yeah. James is in Blackheath. James, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. Um, yeah, we just heard the answer about the Gregorian and Julian calendars, yeah, which I'll... is basically correct. But the, the, I thought the original question was, where do, when did we start using Anno Domini, which the Julian answer didn't answer. Ah, OK, yes, that's helpful. Uh, I'm just reading a very good book by Tom Holland. Ah, we like Tom called, Holland. Mi called Millennium, about the first millennium. Oh, wow. And he covers this, and he, it, part of the, the, the thesis is a sort of struggle for reasserting papal authority across Christendom. A lot of Saxons involved. Yes. Um, and uh, he <laughs> says, around about the millennium, one of the popes 
first introduced the the, uh, the decision to uh, use Anno Domini to date everything from, because until then, most historians and chroniclers would date it from the reign of a local king, an emperor, a Caesar, or a lord. Yes. And so you had all these different chronologies which didn't really tie up properly. And as part of this sort of push for papal supremacy, around about the year 1000 or 1033, he started using Anno Domini. In oh, all the, wow, all so it was almost there. marketing. Yeah, it was marketing. And it's Sorry, I'll have to go to confession that. now, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. I love that. And Tom Holland, I should mention, because he's given us some pleasure there, and he's clearly giving you some pleasure. He's campaigning, I think, against the Stonehenge plans at the moment, isn't he? Campaigning very passionately. Yeah, he is. He's a good guy. He clearly is a good guy. Um, and so are you. And you get a round of applause. And there it is. Dave, Waltham Abbey, question or answer? Uh, I've got an answer. Go on then, Dave. For the, uh, the mirror one. Um, yeah, why do we get seven years bad luck when we break a mirror? Because uh, when you, the people that used to work in mirror-making factories, uh, when you broke a mirror, you'd get, it'd get taken out of your wages and it used to take seven years to pay it off. Seven years to pay it off? Yeah. If you broke one mirror? Yeah, I assume so. Qualifications, Dave? Um, I just, got told years ago by one of my mates who's big on history so what, what was his name dennis dennis told you dennis yeah my mate dennis. dennis seven years you break a mirror and they take it out of your wages so incrementally that it takes seven years to pay it back i don't know so i mean this was in like victorian times i like mate i don't i mean what do you reckon was dennis a stand-up guy i mean you still in touch yeah, yes, him. Yeah, he's very yes. He's solid, my is he? Mate, to be yeah, he's solid. My cleverest mate voted Brexit. You're, what is he solid, Dave? Dennis? Yeah, definitely. Hundred oh, percent. I, I, I'm not sold on this, but I don't want to cast aspersions on your mate, Dennis. <laughs> no, people don't normally. I'm going to give you a round of applause. All right, but I, I mean, frankly, you've you've you've, you've put. You've torn it out of my cold, dead hand. Sam's in Chichester. <laughs> so, Dave, mind how you go. Sam, question or answer? I can't believe answer I gave that round of applause. That was soft. Go on, Sam. Uh, answer about lace and paper wedding anniversary gifts. Yes. So, uh, the important thing to remember is historically, for example, lace, like it's old medieval wedding traditions of gifts, of giving gifts to your wife. Yes. Um, so the lace evolved out of where giving a bolt of exotic fabric was of course, of course. a... Because uh, lace was once handmade. Like, now it's more machine. No, I get it. The, the phone line's breaking up. The phone line's breaking up. Nottingham was a, was a great centre of lace. No, that's all right. So do we have a rough idea um, where... Because medieval's a, quite a broad chart. Uh, German traditions. Most wedding traditions evolve out of the... Um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, round, round of applause. Round of applause. became the European... <laughs> Well done, Sam. Good work. 12.57 is the time. Um, I mentioned this earlier because I wasn't entirely sure of my facts. But if you follow me on Twitter, I retweeted this from Kasha. I shall retweet it again because it's very pertinent to the ongoing conversation. Donald Tusk. This is a picture of Donald Tusk painting an industrial chimney. He had to work like this for eight years during the communist regime in Poland as he was blacklisted by the communist government due to his political activism just in case someone uses the Brussels elites argument. So, yeah, there you have it. Fellows who own the Ritz and bankroll people like Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage, um, they are anti-elite. Donald Tusk painting industrial chimneys for eight years because the communist government didn't want him to be 
engaging in any political activism. He's the real elite in Brussels, and don't you forget it. James is in York. James, question or answer? Answer, bud. Carry on, James. So the question was, I believe, how do we know the borders of water? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, between two so, bodies of water. Between two bodies of water. So, what's happened to the phone line? That's two in a row. Two. In, I think we're being sabotaged. It's a build-up of the wall between I can't make. I can't hear it. The, the, the phone lines all. Give him a round of applause. Anyway, uh, Chris is in Andover. Chris, if your phone line is rubbish, I'm resigning. Hello, James. Hopefully not. First time caller, mate. Um, Do you know, there's a whole army of Brexiters up and down the country now who are even angrier and purpler than they were before, because I'm staying put. Carry on, Chris. Uh, uh, It's not about Brexit, mate. It's about the mirror one. I know. Seven years. Um, What, are you suggesting Dennis might might not be entirely trustworthy on this one? There's partially right. It was deducted from the wages. However, it was actually deducted from wages of housemaids and chambermaids. Um, what would happen is, if they broke a mirror, it was deducted from their wages, and that did take seven years. However, it was from the maids in the houses that I would find get that their wages. a bit easier to believe, but I'm going to give you a round of applause as well. You have to share it with Dennis. Thank you very well, much, Dave. Actually, you Please share me. it with Dave, but he owes half to Dennis. It's all very hard to keep track of. Thank goodness Sheila Fogarty is here to restore order. That's it from me for another day. We will be doing it again. Tomorrow from 10, I'd, I'd leave you just with the uh, image of David Davis as Swiss Tony. That's my gift from you today. Sheila. Just for the sheer fun of it, I was going to go on <laughs> that last call, but I couldn't do it. Uh, thanks, James. From three today, how much privacy should a 14-year-old have online and off? Uh, two, despite huge reservations, the Met Commissioner has announced that spit hoods will be rolled out as part of a number of measures aimed at protecting police officers. Fair enough. 